Emma and welcome to the Hopes and Dreams podcast. The journey to parenthood isn't always easy. For many, fertility can be one of life's greatest challenges. And in this podcast, we'll be talking to people with all different types of journeys, including stories of loss and grief, but also, and most importantly, of strength and hope. We'll talk openly about different experiences to provide you with advice, support and coping strategies and hopefully some comfort and to help you feel less alone. Thanks for listening. So hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Hopes and Dreams podcast. I've had a slight change of plan to my original schedule for this episode because an opportunity came up this week to have a guest on who's working on something really important and timely. So I've juggled the episodes around a little bit. And I'd like to extend a warm welcome to Angela Crawley today. Angela is an MP for Lanark and Hamilton East. She's a Scottish National Party politician and has served as the SNP Shadow Attorney General since 2021, amongst many other things. Uh, It's amazing to have Angela on today because she's literally just about to take a private member's bill to Parliament on the 3rd of December, so really soon, calling on the UK government to entitle parents who have suffered the loss of a baby up to 24 weeks at least three days of paid miscarriage leave. And obviously my personal reaction to this is that I think this is such an important thing. Having gone through five losses myself and had to take time off work, you know, currently there is no legal entitlement under 24 weeks in the UK. And I was lucky to have a very sympathetic employer, but others others aren't. And, you know, we're going to talk to Angela today about this bill and why it's so important to offer the support to parents who are going through this early loss. And as Angela said in her campaigning in the past, this isn't an illness, miscarriage is grief, and you need to allow your time, you know, yourself time to do this, to have this grief without financial penalty. So thank you so much, Angela, for coming on and all that you're doing in this space. It's so important and incredible. And I'm so looking forward to hearing more about this in our conversation today. Oh, thank you so much, Emma. Um, It's an absolute pleasure to contribute to the Hopes and Dreams podcast and I've followed your journey very carefully and listened to some of your other contributions and they have been truly powerful and moving and it has informed a lot of the work that I have done on this private members bill because the most important thing is to hear from parents who have experienced this loss how we can make the law work better for them during what is already a difficult time for so many families unfortunately. And I think that's it, isn't it? It's If the law changes and supports women and men going through this, then that, that really helps people feel better and it's one less thing for them to worry about. They know that they have that stability and that, that society recognises that, you know, it's a horrible thing to go through and gives them gives them time. And I think that's a really important thing. I introduced the Private Members Bill back in June with a view to introducing a uh, what's known as the Private Members Bill in Parliament, which is effectively an opposition or a backbencher's opportunity to introduce a bill that's not put forward by the government. At the moment, there is paid leave for parents who experience that loss after 24 weeks, but for so many parents who experience that loss before 24 weeks, there is no provision in place. And so, rather sadly, a parent who loses a pregnancy after 24 weeks would be entitled to the two weeks paid leave but another parent who has that same loss at 23 weeks and six days would not be entitled to any paid leave at all 
And for me, that's just such a stark contrast that for so many parents, approximately one in four families will experience miscarriage. And sometimes on more than one occasion, as you as you said at the start, Emma, and I'm so sorry to hear that, that that was your experience as well. But this is sadly too common and it's something we don't talk about and it's there's a real stigma attached to it. And I, I want to change that. I want us to talk about this. I want us to create a conversation that makes what is already a truly traumatic experience just slightly better by the fact that there is a support in place by their employers to make that process and that journey through that grief a little bit hopefully easier for for the parents who experience it. Yeah and some companies have started doing it independently we've seen John Lewis recently they they offer paid leave for employees that have gone through loss but it it's sort of standardizing it isn't it because in the wider UK as you say people are not supported before financially before the 24 weeks and as you said one in four will suffer miscarriage so it's it's an incredible amount of people that go through it so having a law that would recognize that is is a good thing absolutely and and i will say in the first instance the private members bill is seeking to introduce only three days paid leave at this point now i will say right now i don't think that is nearly enough but it was a starting point that we felt was necessary to have that conversation to say that you know, as you rightly identify, there are large companies and I'm really delighted to to promote the work of ASOS and Co-op and other companies like Channel 4 who have introduced paid leave in their workplaces, be it seven days, 10 days or up to 14 days. And these kind of company policies are changing the conversation. It's making it safe for both parents to speak to their employer and say, look, this this really awful thing has happened to me. And, and to have that support from their employer. And you're absolutely right. Some employers are incredible and they've done amazing things, introducing policies or just simply adapting and using the discretion that they have to make it a little bit easier for their employee. But sadly, that's not the case for all employers. And I think it's that inconsistency and that that idea that there will be employers up and down the country that will not have a standardised practice in place. So Three days paid leave would be a starting point in the conversation. I would absolutely love it if employers would go further. I would welcome seven to 14 days as a minimum. But at this point, what we tried to do was to replicate the legislation that had been introduced in New Zealand and the commitment that was made in Scotland through the public sector to introduce three days paid leave, really to start that conversation, particularly with the smaller employers who won't have the resource or the capacity that large companies do to introduce a policy like this. But at, at the moment, parents who experience that loss, as I said, after 24 weeks are entitled to two weeks paid leave. And I would love to see that same parity of esteem for all parents who experience that loss. I don't think that you could ever claim that there is a monopoly on grief and that any parent, regardless of which stage of the pregnancy they are at, have, have wanted and loved and already have all these hopes and dreams as your podcast is titled for that little family that they're creating and that loss is so profound and it can affect parents in different ways and at different times so this is about creating that conversation for employers yeah and as you said it's a starting point because even from my own experiences of loss each has been very different in how I've I mean I've been sad for all of them as has my husband but for some I took a couple of weeks off because that's what I needed in terms of the physical side of things as well 
but for one my fourth one I ended up having to take two months off work because I literally had I guess would only be described as a, a as a complete emotional mental breakdown I just couldn't function so this is great to start the conversation but it's so difficult as you said rightly to put a number of days on how much time you need because everyone's different every experience is different and but this is a great chance to sort of start that conversation and get that parity for all companies and for people to know that they have that that security absolutely and I think one of the most profound things that I have learned from speaking to parents but especially interestingly fathers because you'll appreciate that And I think it is the case that often this is seen as a women's issue. And I think often that's why the legislation that, in my mind, should already exist for those experiencing miscarriage, especially for the women who undergoes the physical as well as the emotional traumatic loss of that pregnancy. But there is no provision for those mothers and especially for their their partner, be it the father or be it the other parent in a same-sex relationship. I think that is a really difficult conversation for them to have with their employers also because they want to be there to support their partner or their wife and they are also themselves grieving through that process and and I think that's so difficult especially when as you'll appreciate as well most parents don't disclose to their employers until at least after the 12-week point and sometimes later so how do you then go into your employer when you've never disclosed that information and say this has happened to myself or to my partner and I'm going to need some time. And I think some employers have been exceptional and have have really kind of shown the gold standard on how to really give that support to their employees. But you know yourself that grief isn't an illness, as you said at the start, and it is a process that parents will go through. And for me, there is no timeline to that grief. So three days will never be enough, but it will at the very least create a statutory and a legal right for those parents to have that paid leave and I feel that while that doesn't take away the pain and the grief of that loss it does at least give them that financial security of knowing that they're entitled to take a period of leave which otherwise I think at the moment for most families they tend to take sick leave or unpaid leave and it gets to the point where that conversation breaks down with their employer and they rightly don't want to disclose such a personal and private matter as well so how do we create a safer environment and a, and a proper environment within the workplace where there is support when they return to work as well I feel like that is another aspect that the bill doesn't cover but it's such an important aspect of making it possible for people to return to work because it's it's never going to feel normal for them to just some, some suddenly go back to work after a pregnancy with that with that loss and that grief so I think there is more that we need to do to make workplaces work for families especially at that difficult time and I don't think this bill does all of that but I hope that it starts to create some of the conversation to make it possible for for families to get that support that they so need at that time. That's so right and I think there's this sea change happening is this zeitgeist where there's so many sort of well-known named people celebrities you know Myling Class's documentary most recently talking about this and as you said it's an incremental step but it's starting that conversation and then it can be developed and and built on and it's important that we have that conversation because change doesn't happen if we don't talk and come together on it and and I was interested to sort of know 
when when did you start working on this and how 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 long has the journey been to sort of get this to the stage that you're at where you'll be going to you know UK Parliament next week so sort of suggested to me earlier in the year by by a father who had gone through this process and and suggested this is something that I would as a constituent like you to work on and it's something for me like it is for you really personal and my partner and I thankfully have good news and that we are expecting our first baby in January and and that's lovely so I think for me this this is also a really personal thing because at, at the end of every story you want to have that good news story you want to be able to share that positive story but I know that for so many families that isn't possible and even if it is you, you still don't get the opportunity to recognise that grief and that loss and to speak about that and I think for me miscarriage is one of those things that it's so important as you say that we have now people speaking out and speaking up and talking about that experience because for so long I think there has been a shame and a stigma attached to that and I want I want us to change that conversation and I want us to change that narrative to make it a safe space for people to say this is something that's happened to me and I think that changing the law could also help to change that conversation hopefully. Yeah definitely and congratulations I didn't know that you and your partner were expecting that's lovely news a lovely start to 2022. Thank you. Hopefully they don't arrive early, but yes. <laughs> a Christmas present for you. <laughs> um, you never know. Maybe. I suppose another thing is that you've you've probably worked with some other people to put this bill and campaign together. Can you talk about, you've, you've obviously mentioned a parent, a father that came to you in terms of um, starting this work, but have you worked with other associations to, to pull everything together? Yeah, so so for me, the really important part of pulling together this bill was it gave a voice to the many parents who'd experienced this, that it wasn't simply, you know, a, a bill that wasn't consulted properly. So we worked really closely with, firstly, the Miscarriage Association. And Ruth from the Miscarriage Association has been absolutely tremendous. She's just been an absolute fountain of knowledge and and real guidance to make sure that we shape this bill to be everything that it should be. And we worked with a lot of organisations, including Tommy's and Sands. We've worked with new organisations like Morgan's Wings. And we listened very closely to some parents who, who wanted to bravely speak about their experience and to share that experience. And I know that sharing something like that can be quite traumatic and actually the bravery of the mothers and the fathers who spoke about their their loss or their losses in some instances and really gave that that experience and that voice that, that was so important to shape the bill. And for me, it was so important that the bill reflected their experiences and it, and it became something that they felt that they, they could channel their this experience into. And I hope that it I hope that it will represent that for the many parents who have been honoured to work with and who've contributed to shaping the bill, especially those who spoke about ectopic pregnancies and molar pregnancies and speaking about the different aspects of loss and also the experience of miscarriage itself. Because as you know, for, for many women, it can be such a different experience. And the the physical aspect as well as the kind of longer term the weeks and the months and the, the period after that was such an important aspect of shaping how we made sure that the bill 
represented those those needs of parents in that time and I hope that the bill achieves that and, and reflects that as well. I'm sure it will and I think for me knowing why I set up the Hopes and Dreams podcast in the first place is that I needed to channel my grief into something positive and I'm sure for the parents that have fed into this work that they will feel the same that something good has to come out of something truly awful and to help other people and to make a difference so I'm sure that they will it will have been a positive thing for them to do. I hope so and I I think it feels that way too for me that it's really important that I feel I have a privilege and in a sense that I get to be a member of parliament that I get to speak in parliament and represent my constituents but I know that for so many parents they don't have that opportunity they don't they feel quite removed in actual fact from from the kind of laws and how they are created and and one of the important aspects of this for me was to to really design a piece of legislation that reflected what people really wanted and I know that in that moment so many parents said to me you know I didn't have this so I hope that I can change this to ensure that other parents do and and I think that's such an incredible thing to be able as you say to channel that grief into something hopefully really positive and that will make a real difference to others who may have to experience this in their their lifetime as well it's it's an awful thing to go through and I feel that's an understatement when I say that, but it truly is an awful, awful process to go through. And it is, there is no, no amount of days or time or anything that could ever compensate, but it's a real starting point to say, let's, let's try to change the law to make it work better for families. And I hope that that's what this bill does. I know you've campaigned for so many other equality issues, in, including transgender, non-binary equality. And again, this is another form of equality for giving people um, support and things. And why why is this so important to you? I think, quite honestly, I have to say that my experience and my journey of becoming a parent for the first time with my partner, my partner is eight months pregnant, so it's been a very different journey and experience for me to be the supporting partner and to be the other parent in this scenario and I absolutely am in awe of my partner and it's been a real experience to to experience pregnancy with with her throughout this but it has been such a different insight for me than how I ever imagined becoming a parent for the first time would feel and I'm really honoured that I get to to work with so many incredible people who who have overcome such such difficult periods of their journey to parenthood and for some that has ended in a really positive positive kind of family that they you know they've worked through a lot of their grief but for others it's very it's very present and it's very in the now and I think amazingly annual events like baby loss awareness week give parents that opportunity to say this is something that I've experienced and and it really raises awareness, but I think we need more of that. I think we need to, to create that conversation more. And that's why for me, this issue is so important. It links in with everything I feel that I've worked on as well around women's equality and gender pay gap and all of these issues that in isolation don't seem related. But for so many women who feel unsupported in the workplace, they are more likely to be disengaged and perhaps even consider not returning to that workplace the long-term economic consequences of of losing these talented and exceptional women in the workplace all because of 
what could be in that moment a really awful and traumatic experience that with the right support and with the right encouragement from their employer they could they could return to work and they could have really extensive careers and that's why I feel that the workplace is such an important place to start and fix some of these issues because we are losing talented exceptional women every day and how do you ever smash the gender pay gap if you don't create the conversation for women to feel that they can be supported in the workplace and that they can have these conversations be it about miscarriage or for for that matter fertility or IVF and I think these are these are real issues that women especially of our age are facing now and I feel that that conversation hasn't really quite got to the workplace yet and I hope that it will. You're so right actually linking all those things uh, together because I've been really open and honest in my all my social networks about um, my loss and obviously I had to be because of the podcast but I have been open and sort of worn my heart on my sleeve with it and I've had women come to me at work to say thank you for sharing but I just can't share with my wherever they are in, in the university I can't share what's happened to me I just can't do it and so there is that silence silent group of women or men that just can't say depending on where they work that this has happened and therefore they may miss out on opportunities to be put forward because they can't say what's happened to them or they're employed or you know their their line managers don't kind of adapt to them or support them in the way that they need so it's a really important point to talk about the gender pay gap and also that, that women can't move forward because they have to overcome these points in their life. Absolutely. And just just to add to that as well, like we've seen this more, especially during the pandemic, that what was already a stark statistic of pregnancy and maternity discrimination only got worse during the pandemic because more and more employers unfairly dismissed or perhaps terminated contracts of their employees, all because they were either trying to conceive or pregnant or they were potentially going to have another baby. So for so many women, I think there is already this unsaid kind of stigma and bias that exists. And if you're a woman who discloses that perhaps you've had a pregnancy or you've had a loss of a pregnancy, some employers will anticipate that you will want to try again because most most do, and not everyone does, but most do. And that that kind of unsaid stigma and that discrimination that does sadly exist in workplaces, we need to tackle that as well. And I think this bill, among others, would would do that. It would try to change the narrative for employers because we cannot have an occasion where, like you say, your colleagues and my colleagues for that matter, I have people that I speak to who say, I don't want to disclose that I'm trying to get pregnant because it might, you know, I, I spoke to colleagues who during the last election said I don't want to disclose that I'm trying to get pregnant because I might not get re-elected and I think what a great loss that would be Mm. to politics not to have young women and young mothers and people who are who have young families in politics because that should inform how we make laws it should inform how legislation exists and works for people in every sector of life not just politicians because I recognize we are quite privileged in that sense but for so many families discrimination does exist and that will have an adverse impact on their long-term earnings as well and I, I hate that that exists and I want to do more to tackle that. Yeah and of course then that also has an effect on one's confidence, one's 
mental health, one's well-being, because you're already going through something terrible and then to have the fear that it's going to be detrimental to your career path or, you know, because you can have, you can have a career and be a mother. We, Absolutely. you know, you're about to do that. I, I do it. <laughs> it is, it is possible and um, it shouldn't be the choice. So that's totally right. And so important that we talk about that. In terms of the bill and the work that you're doing, is there anything that listeners can do to support this? Uh, is there still, would you still encourage signatories to the petition? And I can definitely add, add all of this into the show notes as well. Yes, please. Um, that would be incredible. We do have a petition at the moment, which is calling on the UK government to introduce paid miscarriage leave. I would absolutely love it if all of the listeners could sign up to that petition and show their support. Even if you haven't personally experienced miscarriage, you will know someone, sadly, who has. So please share it and please make sure that you sign the petition. It will help to get that strong message across that if if this private member's bill should not succeed, and I hope that it does, I intend to continue to pursue this relentlessly until we get to a position where this paid leave for parents does exist. And I hope that this petition will give that voice to the many parents who I know strongly feel that this is something that would help and could help many more families exactly sign it i've signed it this week i'll include all the links in the um, show notes and on social media so that people can do that because it's really really important angela do you feel confident that it will go you know that it will be well received next week i truly hope so i politics is very unpredictable at the moment and i sincerely hope that this is a bill that already has cross-party support. We have support from every political party now, which I hope will promote the bill on to another reading and hopefully will become a law. If it doesn't, I intend to pursue it through every other vehicle of Parliament that I can to make sure that this is not an issue that just goes away, that we that we secure paid leave for parents and that this is a conversation that we continue to have so that those who experience this know that there is a voice there and that they can have their voices heard in Parliament. Because for me, that is the absolute reason why I became a politician. And I hope that I can give a voice to the many families who have experienced this and who want change within the law. Mm. Well, thank you. Well, thank you for everything you've done so far to this point. And I'm sure the listeners will agree with me that we're wishing you all the best for the 3rd of December and hopefully it's supported and hopefully we'll be able to get you back on to talk about it and what next steps are and, and hopefully this is just the beginning of um, real change in this area. So thank you for everything you're doing to to support this and move this forward. Thank you, Emma, and thank you so much and thank you to your listeners as well. I really appreciate the opportunity to to share this private members bill and to be able to to make sure that it we can change the law to work for so many more families during this difficult time thank you so much for listening to the latest episode of the hopes and dreams podcast i hope you found it helpful and indeed hopeful do check out the show notes because i'll put all the information that angela talked about in terms of the bill and the petition on there follow us on instagram and twitter the hopes and dreams podcast and we will see you next time. Thanks for listening. Bye.